1: Hello. Gosh. Thank you. There's a lot of that clapping. It's smooth stuff. it. it. Um, hello. Happy Vonk Week, everybody. Um, I'm Dorian Alinsky. Uh, let's meet the people who will be going up against our zombie PM. <laughs> Roz Taylor is a newly minted freelancer in the process of writing a new book. <laughs> <laughs> Pandering. Um, there's been an exciting contest between Johnson loyalists see who can produce the most embarrassing spin All hail the latest victory of our glorious leader comrade big dog over his treacherous enemies uh, Who was your favorite?
2: There were so many, weren't there? There were just so many. It was extraordinary um, I think I think my favorite was Bob Seeley who is MP for Isle of Wight and He basically issued a statement in which he said "I I I'm supporting the Prime Minister because the Prime Minister has promised the Isle of Wight, local council, some extra money. And I'm prepared to wait around and see if the prime minister delivers on that promise. And that's why I'm voting for prime minister. And the sheer kind of pork shamelessness about the pork barrel politics of that was what really cut through for me.
1: I I enjoyed uh, Nadine Doris uh, saying that we were at war with Ukraine. Um, So, foreign secretary in the next reshuffle, I imagine. <laughs> Ian Dunt is a columnist of The i and co-presenter of Origin Story, the hit new podcast, whose, whose other presenter is, is pretty good, I, I'm say. told. <laughs> um, <laughs> Would you like to talk about the other presenter more, his various skills? I'm going to like... spare his blushes. <laughs> um, I spent some of the Jubilee uh, holiday in this very weird village, in Suffolk, actually a very normal village in Suffolk, if for people who live in Suffolk, it's probably very normal. um it had so many flags that it was like the village in The Prisoner. And like number six was gonna to be told to put up more bunting because he was being unmutual. Um, and I thought, oh right, this is actually Jubilee land. This is problem. and I came back to, 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 to London and people were just like,
0: eh.
1: Um, not on the mall, I didn't come back to the mall, obviously they're quite into it there. How was your, uh, how did you celebrate her match?
3: Well, it was dreadful, obviously. Um, uh, and I celebrated it the way I celebrate everything, which is just staying at home and closing the windows. And um, you have that sort of... So the, the weird experience that you get is you have the, the two worlds of media on a weekend like that. You have the, the media of what's going on on the radio and the TV, and then you have the media of social, social media. So sort of on, the, on the radio and TV, they, they really heavily do the theatrics of royalty. So, you know, even fucking any normal sort of news bulletin, so like Her Majesty's gracious feet yes. touched upon the ground. Like, if only one could reach one's tongue as close to the heel of the foot, you know, it just goes I, to this whole other I fucking look, there's, weird there's place.
1: There's Duke Alexander of, of Liechtenstein <laughs> there uh, descending from the, the carriage.
3: Right, it's fucking horrific and I can't take that. And then you go on social media because of the kind of people I follow it's all just like, these fuckers. <laughs> like, we will write the Constitution in their blood, you know. And So you're just like, fucking Christ. So no, it was dreadful. It was there's obviously the terrible. There's
1: the guillotine there being wheeled
2: out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, sounds good. Sounds like a good weekend. Um, here's commentator Alex Andreou. Hi, Alex. Hello. It's so an exciting Twitter action today from pollster Chris Curtis. Wasn't there, yeah. Uh, who revealed some things about government pressure on YouGov during the 2017 election. Chris was obviously quite um, taken aback uh, by the reaction. <laughs> yes. um, so oh what hell you,
4: broke loose, didn't it?
1: What was the meat of that thread?
4: The meat of that thread was that there were two or three instances where there were polls that were indicating in, during the 2017 um, sort of campaign period that Labour were closing the gap and that maybe it would be a hung parliament and there was pressure from above to not go there which then made them think twice, second-guessing themselves throughout that campaign period of Is this safe to put out. And it included an instance of Nadim Zahawi who founded, uh, co-founded YouGov. Calling the CEO uh, of the company and saying, "If you get this wrong, I will ask for your resignation," um, which Nadim Zahawi then came out and said, "Oh, I, it was a joke. It was a joke between <laughs> joke between old friends." Um, he did point out that um, pound sterling had dropped one and a half cent on news of that poll. That's how he opened. So maybe Eddie Izzard could make that work as a sort of meta joke, but I don't really see the humor in calling an old pal and saying, um, so you just destroyed the country's currency and I will have your head on a plate. I wouldn't open
1: with it, psych. <laughs> but ironically, of course, one of the reasons Labour did so well, it was said, was that a lot of people didn't think Labour were going to do that well. You know, and that actually putting out that poll would actually more likely have helped the Conservatives.
4: Well, maybe. Maybe it got the vote out. So, um, you know, and, and if Conservative voters thought it was going to be closer, maybe more of their vote would have gone out. So, I mean, I don't know how these people think. But the, the problem with it is that it feeds that conspiracy that, oh, the polls are all... Yeah. I mean, like I say to everyone all the time, don't pay attention to individual polls. They can be problems with the methodology, they can be outliers, they can be a sample that's not quite right. But if you look at the aggregate movement, that's quite reliable in showing trends. You know, not getting the percentages right, but showing who's coming up and who's going down.
1: Um, Anytime polling is criticized, I know that someone's gonna put around that Peter Hitchens, is it Peter Hitchens meme? She's oh, going, the shape of the... Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And anything that triggers a Peter Hitchens meme is, is bad news. Yeah. <laughs>
5: um,
1: especially Peter Hitchens. A <laughs> special guest, um, with his flag, is Raphael Bear, Guardian, Leader, Writer, and host of the Politics on the Couch
3: podcast. Yeah, our flag, our flag. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> our flag, our yeah. flag. You're really going to work this night. I am. Language. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's a home, this is a home fixture for me. You know? Yeah. why not? Although our home
5: record has been was pretty poor this season, but I won't go there. That's. Only... Is he oh. talking about
3: football? Oh yeah, mm. association football. Mm. Yeah. I don't have any idea what yeah. the distinction is between that and the rest of it. Well, I'm say don't put your
5: hands on the ball, but that we'll come to that later.
2: <laughs> am I wearing the right colour? Because the Absolutely. flag is blue.
1: That's it. I wore special blue jeans. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Ralph Tom Harwood, uh, one of your chief rivals, broke the story <laughs> yesterday of uh, Sue Gray using... You mean karaoke- in, in, as, from a, as a
5: style icon, you mean, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, as a heartthrob. Yeah,
1: but, um, using a karaoke machine in Downing Street in pictures taken before the pandemic when this was absolutely fine. Um, as a seasoned political journalist, does it hurt to be scooped? Like <laughs> yeah, I mean...
5: It, it, <laughs> It's agony, really. Do you know, I, 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 it, it turns out I was aware that, that, that Chris Whitty once like shared a bowl of nachos in like 2015. <laughs> and if I'd, I, I could have run that, I could have put that you on. I know, right? No, I mean, the thing is, I mean, first of all, you know, it's actually revealing in a couple of ways. I mean, I should say the, the reason I'm a columnist is because I was so, so terrible at getting scoops as a reporter in the first <laughs> place. You know, I sort yeah. of fled actual news gathering, and I, it wasn't, I mean, in theory, you kind of you know earn your spurs as a reporter, and then you get to be a commentator. But I was so terrible at spotting exclusives, I would have quite often, I, they would, be, I would see things on the front page, you know, speculation about some minister's gonna get sacked or someone's gonna get promoted, and I'd see yeah, it, it's like the splash on the front of the Times. I think, oh yeah, I'd heard that as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, may, maybe that was news. Um, but the, no, the, the interesting thing about this story about yeah, the karaoke, karaoke gate, which is, which is not being called, um, is, well, first of all, a couple of things. But the, the most revealing, two revealing one, ones for me are that clearly there was an operation to try and discredit Sue Gray at that moment. It was on the day of the vote no confidence, just to try and sort of muddy the waters, mm. let off a stink bomb somewhere. So just the sheer nastiness of that to go, we found this picture of this poor woman singing um, from a song from Greece. I mean, imagine this. there's probably audio somewhere, which there will be for the next time they have to try Tell and. Me more, Tell, yeah. <laughs> Tell me more, Tom Harwood. Tell me more. It, it was I mean, not. You paid for this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She did put up a fight. No. The. Um, but the, the other extraordinary thing about that that is yeah. You know, so first of all, there's this sort of horrible mafia operation to try and discredit her. But also the fact is the fact that it ended up on Twitter being posted by this person, mm-hmm. the GB News presenter, who no one's heard of apart from where they waste too much time on Twitter or watch GB News, which someone must be doing, um, is that. If you imagine that having like first, they, presumably they first went to the mail, right? And then, okay, okay, mail, even the mail didn't want it. And then they yeah, went yeah. to the express, and even the express were like, really? So <laughs> imagine like being the person, like the meal, you say someone brings you this meal, and yeah. it's all chewed up and go, well, the mail spat it out, and the express dropped it on the floor. But look, if I put some ketchup on it, then you can eat it. And you're like, oh, yeah, yum, yum, great. <laughs> fantastic. You know? It is a bit demeaning, isn't it? Let's I, be honest. But his
1: bio uh, does say, I do real news. Which, is, of course, is what was on Woodwin of Bernstein's business card. <laughs> and that all professional journalists like to point out they do real news. Uh, tonight on the show, Boris Johnson survives a vote of no confidence. Why, how, and what now? Plus, I'll be quizzing the panel on his greatest hits throughout the years. And in part two, in the wake of Platty dupes we talk national identity and whether the United Kingdom is due a vibe shift. So first up, after months of sweaty speculation on this very podcast, uh, Graham Brady finally received enough letters to trigger a vote of no confidence. Johnson won, I mean you do know this, Uh, (laughs) but only by 60-40 split with around three quarters of non-payroll MPs voting against. Technically he's safe for another year, but but is he really? Um, What, I just wanna ask everyone, like what did you, um, was that higher
2: than you expected,
1: the 148?
4: Yeah, I had 138. 120.
3: Oh, shit, I didn't have a number. Were we supposed to come here with, like, a... No, no, I just wonder if you no, did. Yeah, they had one or you didn't. I went...
2: For... Who even are you? <laughs>
4: <laughs> I, I,
3: was, t- I was hoping it would so reach sorry. 100. That was my key thing. Just I went over. for
1: 144, but... So bad. Specific. Bad. So but then Mystic Meg, what's his name? There's some political pundit who got four. He's definitely not called Meg, if it's a he. I
5: it. Maybe He's I'm... not called
1: Meg. No. I know that. Um, John yeah. Tong. Hmm? John Tom. Yeah, he got one four seven. Yeah,
2: his moment in the sun. It won't last.
1: But it was um...
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it was high. It, it was about he, as high. He actually as it could got go.
4: two on one, 147 because he thought the alleged rapist wouldn't vote. Um, but actually he did vote by proxy. So the only reason he was out by one. Yeah, yeah. He
1: probably thought about it and actually added up individual names, whereas
5: I just guessed a number so um yeah there there were clues in from earlier on in the Mm -hmm. parliament you know where issues where the whips had just completely dropped the ball failed to understand what was going to happen uh yeah so i I might i didn't have a number like but I, i thought it would be quite high just because of the Yeah, the combination of number 10 sounding very complacent about it and every previous occasion when it's been the job of the whips to say, it's okay, it's going to be fine. They've got it completely wrong. So I thought, (laughs) well, they'll be high then.
1: Um, Ian, um, regular listeners will know that for months we were saying that the Sue Gray report should trigger a vote of no confidence, but I don't think we always believed that it would. Um, And it doesn't sort of happen straight away. What do you think happened during that? That period, like why now? Because there were some people arguing. It's just like it's just gone on too long. There's no smoking gun in the Gray Report, etc., mm-hmm. etc. And yet, the thing that we were hoping would happen did happen. Not the second thing we were hoping would happen, but the first thing.
5: Their chills were multiplying. <laughs> <laughs> you, you must stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm losing control. I can't. Do it. <laughs>
4: Maybe they just thought there are worse things he could do. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> Fuck my life. OK. A... Um, can we talk about politics? I never usually <laughs> <laughs> want to talk about politics, but let's, let's fucking do that. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's so disparate, and there's clearly no structure to the opposition to him within the party, as you can tell by virtue of the fact that it's coming from the right, that it's coming from the One Nation, from the left of the party. Um, So that makes it very chaotic and it means all these different events, things like, and yeah, it is things like that, like being booed, you know, at the platy jubes. Um, Correct. That's The the YouGov poll, which was very fucking ugly and is the kind of thing that makes people look at their own seats. And probably the arrogance and disdain of his response to the grey report. But I think the thing is just because they're disparate doesn't mean that there isn't group momentum at the same time. Parliament sort of, especially when people are rebels, Has this sort of secondary level of cooperation within it. So, you know, when people rebel, they're they're outside of that, you know, they're going to face the whips, they're going to get threatened, they're going to lose the sort of little dangling baubles they could achieve. And usually they have groups of people in their own party and sometimes cross party, but usually within their own party that give them a bit of resilience, a bit of steel. That's essentially how the Brexiters were operating for years before we actually got to the referendum thing. Those are the guys that you're there in the no lobby, even though you're suddenly stood by a bunch of Labour MPs and you're like, what the fuck am I doing in this room? You know, this is the wrong place to be. And so those little background informal groupings of MPs will have had a sense of momentum and of people talking to each other and saying, well, hang on a minute, this is just going a bit too far now. So I think the reason it's so hard to analyse is because it's both disparate, and yet because it is happening, you know, in Parliament with politicians who talk to each other all the time, it also has that sense of internal momentum to groupings which we don't see any of their conversations. So, because I was going to... Ours, would it have been wiser uh, to wait until the
1: by-elections in Wakefield and Tiverton and Honington where the Tories are likely to get hammered are you saying that actually there wasn't it's not as if anybody was in a position to make a decision of like and now we strike
3: no exactly yeah exactly you're, you're basically kind of lost you don't know when that number is going to get hit because I don't think of any of those groups on their own probably had the numbers in order to, to secure that and that also makes it paradoxically quite weirdly dangerous for him, because if everyone was coming from one side, if it was all the right-wingers saying this, he could placate them, as he's doing with, you know, Rwanda and the protocol and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But actually, he kind of doesn't really have an, an, any place to go politically, because it seems that there's rebels on each of those lots. I also think there's probably enough rebels, if you would just take the right-left stuff, so get rid of things like, you know, MPs who are sitting there thinking, well, I haven't even made PPS, so, you know, I'm, I'm not getting anywhere in my career. So it's essentially a selfish thing rather than a political thing. Even if you just to take the right and the left of the party, on their own, looking at that, that number against him, there might be enough to defeat him in a vote just right on its own, left on its own. And then you really are fucked. You know, so when we start thinking, well, how is it, you know, he's safe for a year, that, that wouldn't be, well, actually, he really isn't safe for a year, because the right. kind of numbers that he's dealing with now are the kind of numbers that will really slice you up very, very badly indeed in Parliament. Because those rules that we
1: keep hearing about, that you can't have another one for a year, it turns out that the 1922 committee can just change the rules. You mm, do what it fucking likes, yeah. <laughs> Graham Brady loves it, doesn't he? He, he enjoys so, this so much. He fucking loves yeah. it.
3: Also, you know what's great about him is as soon as he comes on TV, even if you didn't know anything about politics, you'd just be like, Tory MP. <laughs> <laughs> it's just written, all he's like a puppet.
1: Um, Roz, Johnson reportedly told the 1922 committee, uh, as our video uh, referenced, that he would do it again. Um, what happened to humble, sad face Bojo?
2: From- <laughs> <laughs> he, just, he just can't help himself, can he? He just loves it. He, he sees he got away with it, or he thinks he got away with it and what he's actually doing when he does this is he's going out and he's he's saying it and he's watching the audience and he's waiting for them to give their little smile and say oh it's just amazing gets away with it every time he loves that kind of audacity and that's his you know that's his mo that's that's what he does but you know that is why it is so important now that every time that johnson appears in public Every single time, we boo him. Because, <laughs> for Johnson, it is all about the performance. Mm.
4: It is... <laughs> <laughs> He's not here! Yeah, you.
2: It, <laughs> is... <laughs> it is all about the performance. And when the, perfor- when the performer is booed, then he will start realizing it really is curtains. Mm.
5: I, think, I think he... It's is, is worse than that. I think he actually thinks he's the victim here. That was what really... When that, the statement that he made when he stood up in the mm. comments and said managed to sort of be contrite for all of about, I'd say, half a second. What was very clear almost immediately afterwards was that the fact that he felt he was a victim of the situation because it was so... And which is a, a very typical of a narcissistic personality, that you think the fact that people are... Like putting this burden of responsibility, their morality, onto you—it's imp- you feel it as an imp- imposition. Viscerally. I'm not speaking from experience; I'm a very conscientious <laughs> person. Um, but and, and and you see that, and that's why you know what he he, he finds it so hard not to demonst- not to exude that sense of grievance, because that ultimately he you know he thinks he, he you know he, he has nothing to answer for. Um, Ross, I do
1: remember when we thought at certain points we discussed this that that we thought that Johnson wanted the prestige of becoming PM and of having been PM, but not actually the job of being PM Um, And has his determination to hang on? um, Surprised you do you think is it something to do is it just power is addictive? Is it is it vanity because he really does not want to go
2: no he doesn't and it hasn't surprised me too much because he hasn't got a legacy yet and he knows that he needs some sort of legacy and he can't uh, leave back Downing Street until he's got that and this is why you know during Johnson's career we have seen a succession of big projects and ideas that he wants to be associated with his name. Bikes, buses, bridges to France, to Ireland, whatever you know wherever, wherever is convenient. He is all about the big project. That is because he knows that he will leave no intellectual or uh, policy legacy, that what he does will not change people's lives for the better at all. There is no chance of him doing that and a part of him knows that. So he has to leave something big behind. And what we see here is his obsession with Pericles coming out again. He's obsessed with the guy. And Pericles, of course, uh, made the Acropolis, uh, Acropolis happen. Yeah, he, needs, he needs his Hadrian's Wall. He needs somebody else to also build something. Also, a bit of a dick. Yeah. Pericles. He bit needs, a bit of Yeah, I'm, just, I'm sure you're... you're <laughs> can we just... He needs, actually... He needs, some, he needs something that somebody else is going to build, but will have his name on it. Can and we that's just, what he's waiting can for. Can we just build
1: something really, really quickly, and so that he'll go?
2: It's tempting, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, how about a really crap... How long bus? does it take
1: to build a bridge? How about a
2: really crap bus that, you know, is so, is so rubbish that it overheats and you have to close off the back because the plan to keep the back open never worked. I mean, you could start with something really, really rubbish like that. <laughs> Maybe
4: just rename the Shard into Johnson Tower. Maybe that will do. The Johnson. Just call it to the Johnson.
5: The Johnson. <laughs> yeah. One thing I would add to that quickly also is that, um, and this was not my... I don't know the guy personally but not my judgment something that this number 10 said to me uh, above all he hates losing so the, he won't he doesn't want to go now because that would be giving his enemies yep. something and that's why and that's what the, the Conservative, rest of the Conservative Party needs to understand that he would, he would genuinely rather destroy the Conservative Party than give anyone in the Conservative Party the satisfaction of having got right. the better of him good guy um,
1: Ralph, his allies can't seem to agree on what he should do now. And some say he should unite the party by asking uh, archenemy uh, Jeremy Hunt to be Chancellor. And other people want a sort of round of punishment beatings and withdrawing the whip from the kind of unrepentant rebels, uh, thus reducing his majority to show them all. Um, what do you think, I mean, and he, has, he is known to have a vindictive streak.
5: Yeah, exactly. What do you think he will do? Well, that, and, and not only vindictive, but also... Because he is so fundamentally unreliable and and sort of self-absorbed and solipsistic, he presumes that everyone else behaves as he does. So he can't trust other people because he's always thinking they're going to betray him. Mm -hmm. And so he sees infidelity and dishonesty as the default Mm -hmm. setting. So he's not going to be able to reach out to other people and and do the the broad church thing at all. He can't. And and he's not going to make Jeremy Hunt (laughs) Chancellor of the Exchequer. I mean, it's like it reminds me. I saw that today. It reminds me of that phase in the Brexit negotiations where people were just talking about the most. Ridiculous, like the Malt House <laughs> Compromise, which is, you know, like the, the Brady Amendment. These things that bore no relationship <clears throat> at all to what you actually needed to do, yeah. but that someone had cooked up because, <clears throat> in some theoretical realm, on the ch- on some chessboard in some Telegraph, you know, editorial writer's head, this would solve the problem. It's not going to happen. And I mean, it, what what he can do is, I mean, also I think going back to what Roz was saying. Um, yes, he's a performer, he loves being loved and he loves applause but he's also a bully and when a bully loses the audience, they double down with that bit of the audience that's still cheering for them and seek a victim and they have to victimise someone else to get the cheers mm-hmm. you know, so the, 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 uh, that noise that you're going to get of cheering around Boris Johnson is the noise of the people in the playground who are laughing at the bully as he doubles down harder on the person who he's making cry This is what's um, going to happen Huey, in part you know, two if this goes wrong So I think it will get very nasty
0: today. That's shopify.com slash system. So the, the absence of
1: any obvious replacement has obviously helped him. And not so long ago, it was like Truss, Sunak, those are the leading figures. Is there anybody else, like a Penny Morden or, a, I don't know, a Tom Toonat or whoever that that there's some kind of momentum behind or is it basically that same situation where they just don't know who to replace
5: them with? Uh, well, I mean There is a quite a lot strong tradition in British politics of not the obvious person getting it You know in the Labour side David Miliband didn't become leader of the Labour Party Ken Clarke never became leader of the Conservative Party, Michael Heseltine never mm, became leader mm. of the Conservative Party uh, Boris, you know, no one predicted in 2016 that Boris Johnson's le- first leadership campaign would completely fall apart because you know, Michael Gove stabbed him, and, you know, and somehow Theresa May mm. comes through. Mm. So it's not that obvious. Uh, I'd keep an eye on Ben Wallace, for example. I think he's the sort of slightly John major figure, people who kind of go, who's that guy? Actually, he's... John Major was Chancellor of the Exchequer you know, before he became <laughs> Prime mm. Minister, but no one even noticed the guy somehow. Um, and so this Defence Secretary uh, <clears throat> he ticks a lot of boxes. That, that's where, if I was a gambling man, that might be where I'd put some money. Um, Alex, and if you put money on that and it wins and it comes up, can I have some of it, please? I'm, I'm actually not a gambling man, but you know, I'll, I'll happily like, take someone else's winnings.
1: Alex, the rebels are as Ian said, very diverse from all kind of parts of the party. Um, do you think, I mean, he has a tradition of never pacifying the, the moderates. I mean, the phrase Tory left is, is a hard one to say. But you know, moderates, he never seems to want to give them anything. Um, and always seems to want to give the right something. Do you see that's the way it's going? I love the way that they give their brilliant idea is just tax cuts. But essentially, if you just had like a kind of, I don't know, like a parrot, that you taught to be a conservative, <laughs> yes. and just every time I just go, tax cuts, tax cuts. It's like it's not, it's not some bold new vision here, is it?
4: Um, I think the interesting thing is he will try to pacify everyone and fail because what actually everyone wants from him is the only thing he can't give them because they want someone who looks like they have a plan, who looks like they're in control. Um, Even if they disagree with a plan, they want someone who looks like they have a plan. But being in control and having a plan takes hard work and that's the one element he's not willing to put into it. so, so it's, it's interesting, I mean, I feel exhausted from the last couple of years, and I often think, what must it be to be in that party? I mean, they must be fucking exhausted from just waking up in the morning and picking up the newspaper and going, oh, Christ, what now? <laughs> um, and I think that is because there's a part of the Johnson story that has fooled them, and I think fooled me for the longest time. And I know very few people who are not taken in by this. And that's the notion that the clown is a carefully constructed persona, but behind that is a genius that's kind of three steps ahead. Mm. And then if you think, wait, who's putting that narrative out? Well, it's journalist colleagues and members of his family. Um, So maybe he arrived at this place where If he slips on a banana skin, everyone will assume that he did it for a reason. He was just trying to sit down. But maybe he's just a guy that falls over a lot. And he's invented this story that when things go wrong, because I'm chaotic, and so things go wrong all the time, it's because I mean it. It's because really I'm a genius, and I'm somehow manipulating the audience in that way. And I think people are beginning to realize, certainly I began to realize a few months ago, that that's not the case. He's actually not very bright, um, and he's incredibly lazy, and those are two things that you need for this job. So he can't do the job. That's the bottom line. Well, it's funny because I
1: remember, you know, Another one of those conversations that was going around was how Trumpian is he? Mm. And when you say, not very bright, quite lazy, uh, people have all these theories about how there's a real sort of cunning plan behind it, but there isn't.
4: Um, That's quite Trumpian. I mean, at its basic level. Well, I I think he was that before Trump, to be honest. Um, Well, actually, I don't know. Trump, when Trump wrote the out of the deal, um, which was ghostwritten by someone else and is a terrible business book, like it's how to make your business go bust. Um, it worked, and and well, yeah, <laughs> and and so maybe I don't know. Maybe they grew up in parallel, but I I just find it interesting that my perception of Johnson has changed because I always assumed if he's fucked up, you know, if he's hanging by a zip wire. It must be for a reason, because he's getting the press attention. Maybe he's just rubbish.
5: I'd, I'd slightly disagree about the intelligence, I think. And there, were, there were all kinds of different types of intelligence. You know, sure. Paul, I mean, Paul Gascoigne had a certain type of intelligence with his feet, just not with his head. His mouth. But, the, no, but with Johnson, he's, he's, he, You know, he, people who've studied with him and worked with him, they do say he does have quite a prodigious capacity to like take in information very quickly and understand things and he's not he's not an actual idiot Mm. but what he is extremely skilled at is that very specific thing that the British public school and then Oxford education really grooms you for which is just cherry picking a handful of things making an argument being articulate you know with the available data to say anything and bluffing it basically and he's you know he that, that is a quality that um, combined with the accent and all the accoutrements of the establishment and being a bit of a toff in, in manner, we, as a as a country, we have learned and we've been sort of have we've we've been groomed to believe is intelligence. It's a very specific skill. It's much more theatrical than actually intellectual uh, or, or, or rational. And the interesting thing about I'll just to be quick, the interesting thing about the Trump comparison is, you know, I, I've thought about this a lot, and you know, because they are very different in many ways, and Trump, you know, it's a very different style, but. What Trump is to the American idiom, which is coming up through the celebrity model and the sort of stadium-filling bombast, which is a very um, American form of impressing people, is their equivalent of what, for us, is that Oxbridge bluffing thing. It's actually, they are, Mm. in their own idiomatic ways, they are very, very similar, Mm. but just stylistically, because culturally, we like the British. I mean, I'd agree he's
4: intelligent. I don't think he's smart. And I don't think those two things are the same.
5: Well, I suppose you need a kind you of. You know, smart
4: intelligence. is a kind of intelligence that involves a little bit of wisdom and a little bit of street wisery. He's not wise. And he doesn't. He doesn't <laughs> have You know, it's a classic <laughs> definition that um, you know someone intelligent knows how to get out of a tight spot, but someone smart doesn't get into it. And I think that's the that quite that's wise. the essence of it. It's a wise I? thing you said. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it, someone said it, and I'm gonna go for Mencken. Pericles. I mean, Pericles, it's usually Mencken. Um, Roz,
1: Alex said that many Tories were exhausted. Someone who's not exhausted is Nadine Doris, (laughs) who's who's got a a lot of energy, uh, literally swivel-eyed. She came out hard against Jeremy Hunt, accusing him of underfunding the NHS when he was health secretary. Is, is the sort of hope, is Labour's hope that basically that there's gonna be enough bitterness the Tories are gonna to write all their attack lines for them so by the time, except Ben Wallace, no one's having about Ben Wallace. So if it's been anybody else, yeah, they're already going to have had like, the attack written by other
4: Tories.
2: Yeah, I mean undoubtedly. Uh, they, they hope that it's a circular firing squad situation. I think ultimately the Tory party has been in the grip, and to a certain extent the wider country, has been in the grip of a personality cult. And it's really hard to admit that that's the case. It's really hard to admit that you've fallen for that. Mm. And the party has not admitted itself to it as, as we saw from the vote. It's not ready to face that, that truth. Um, and until it does, we're stuck with him. But when it does, it will all come tumbling down very, very fast.
1: Um, I'm looking forward to that week on the podcast. <laughs> um, Finally, Raph, the general view is that a wounded Johnson uh, stumbling on um, is great news for Labour. You're a bit sceptical. I am a bit. I
5: have a a kind of a rational reason for being wary of that scenario and an irrational one. The rational one is that I just think, you know, a lot of the presumptions about how he goes are based on the idea that he's, you know, at some stage, the the normal mechanisms operate and there's some pressure of, of, of dignity or honor, or these things operate. And actually, if he just really, really doesn't want to, if he wants to go full Trump insurrection, actually constitutionally, there isn't that much to stop him. And he's still got, you know, the mail, when it comes down to it, the Telegraph, the Express, others behind him. If it gets close enough to an election, you could, that, 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 that sort of, that le- vote leave machine right. that can just organize the most ferocious culture war on his behalf, and just put everything that we've just had behind us, and pretend it never happened, and go, no, no. If you let make Kit Islam the prime minister, then literally there'll be a plague of frogs, and we'll all be you know, drinking effluent for breakfast, and it'll be awful. Yeah, that will just crank up, and I don't think Islam's a great campaigner, and I'm just not still not entirely confident that that couldn't get some purchase if he gets through the next few months. So I just want him out yeah. um, to to be safe. Um, the, and then that brings me to the sort of less rational thing, which is just almost a, an almost superstitious, mean, As you, you gets to what you were saying, an almost superstitious fear that he can survive almost anything. It's like that scene in the horror film where, like, yes, you've emptied the gun into the monster, and you've you've thrown the empty gun at the monster, and it, you think it's dead, but you know there's a jump scare coming, it ah! and it's back, you know, it comes out, the, and that I uh, just... Carrie's hand yeah, coming he, out from the ground. Exactly, you know. <laughs> Until, literally, until the stake is through his heart and there is someone else in Downing Street, I won't believe that, that, that mm. he's beaten. And that's that. So that's the, the top two signs of it. Do you see what I mean?
1: Ian, mean, there was actually one thing, one thing I wanted to ask about. Presumably, there will be a reshuffle. Um, we've talked a lot about how the um, Tory party at the moment is not overburdened with talent. <laughs> and so I'm wondering, is there anybody who isn't being... Deployed in the cabinet who Johnson would feasibly put in the cabinets
3: Yeah, I mean Lee Anderson is <laughs> One of the most venal stupid human beings I've ever <laughs> looked at So I presume he'll be there soon You <laughs> did you want actually want political in
1: that, that literally <laughs> was it. I did. Yeah. That was a good answer um, but is there, I mean, is there anybody that's sort of of that, well, I was going to say of cabinet caliber, but you look at the cabinet.
3: And it's yeah, yeah. <sighs> No, but that's the crucial thing, right, that the, the, the caliber of cabinet for him is you are so weak, you don't have any capacity for independent thought or scrutiny or challenge. Okay? So on that basis, you really do start looking, and, and that's not that new. There was always a... You know, even under May, under Cameron, and even under Brown and Blair, there was always this tendency that if someone was there who actually knew quite a lot about something, if they're like, I've just spent sort of eight years with this sort of environmental charity, that was usually a detriment Mm. to you ending up doing anything to do with the environment. Because oh fuck, well you might actually think for yourself. So we can't have you anywhere near it. We have to make sure it's someone who doesn't know shit. You can, you can, There's a moment with Caroline Noakes who's who's actually very, very impressive and in the Parliamentary Conservative Party, which is not two things that ever usually go together, but are true in her case. Um, And she had that kind of experience, loads of stuff with the countryside, with animal welfare. And then, you know, it comes up and they're like, would you like to do immigration? And she was like, if you look in Hansard... I've never used the word immigration in the House of Commons in my life, and they were like, "No, exactly. That, that's why we want you in there, you know, because you don't know, you could just be moved around." Like it's like that, a sort of improv troupe approach to government, isn't yeah. it? It's just that's like nobody's going to throw a brief at you, see what you do with it. <laughs> exactly. That—that that is our entire constitutional system. You just yeah. described it in yeah, one yeah. sentence. Yes, yeah. and, <laughs> and
0: <laughs> Rwanda. Go home, man.
1: Um, could we yet see Nadine Doris as uh, foreign secretary lead, leading the war against Ukraine?
3: <laughs> uh, yeah, all of these things can happen. She, honestly, she probably doesn't have, you know, there's partly a bit that we all think that she's just a raving lunatic, and she is. And, and I get it. And, like, and like, if you watch, the, like, especially the interview this week, there are bits in that interview where you can almost see her eyes darting down at her mouth, just being like, what the fuck is it doing now? Like, <laughs> and so that is totally a thing that happens. <laughs> because she was giving a lot of shit away during that interview. Yeah. And the donors have spoken. <laughs> donors that was a great... Spoken. The donors have spoken. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, oh, no, I just said the bit in
5: my head out loud. Every, like, yeah. And then she
3: also did literally say... We're going to have economic growth because the Bank of England have decided it. Yeah. And You were like, oh, that's that's I, good. So I'm I glad like have worked of, out how
1: that works. Now. I like the idea of replacing the peoples with the donors. <laughs> we're going to deliver on the donors' priorities <laughs> and <laughs> deliver a donors' Brexit, yeah. just it's like just
3: the, the will mask of the donors. Off. Yeah. <laughs> it's refreshing authenticity. I think you'll find. it. Yeah, donorist I mean government. government. But she does have a, maybe a secondary function and probably a conscious one as, you know, the person that pushes the message a little bit further, right? So, you know, when she comes out on Channel 4, or on BBC, she spreads all this stuff, you have a little test there, you fly a little kite, you see what the response is to that, then you maybe don't go quite as far on the legislation as she was suggesting, so it doesn't seem as bad as it was. And I suspect that she she is absolutely, 100%, a fucking imbecile but also she is deployed as a very specific kind of imbecile to kind of, you know, further the government's agenda and to test out ideas. She's
5: the, in that sense, she's the incarnation of something that Boris Johnson does rhetorically. He does this thing that, 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 that where he'll say, uh, well obviously I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to say that, that, that Keir Starmer is a, is a pedophile that would be an extraordinary thing to say all I am going to say <laughs> is that when this thing happened and so he's done it he's made the allegation in a way that denies the allegation and, and Nadine Dorries is, the, is literally the incarnation and personification of that she'll say the crazy stuff that you know he once said but he's like well, God, well I wouldn't put it exactly as Nadine had said it but and it's very clever
1: and this is to nobody in particular um, hopefully one of you will answer
5: um,
1: laughter no, the idea that some people were saying that someone like Jeremy Hunt, who is relatively sort of moderate, would be a real problem for, for Keir Starmer because then it would be two kind of fairly boring, sensible people that you don't really want to hear talk. Um, but then at the same time, the Tory leaders are elected by the Tory membership, who are a wild bunch. Um, and so I'm wondering, is there anybody that you could see that would be genuinely threatening to, that would, be, would so occupy the center ground that the Tory membership would choose but would so occupy that it would actually sort of shut down a lot of space for Starmer, is that like a feasible? Because there are a couple of sensible Tories
3: that I could imagine, mm.
1: but I can't imagine them actually becoming leader. I'm
3: sorry, as soon as you said the Jeremy Hunt versus Keir Starmer thing, it's because they both look, they, they often both look quite startled, so you can imagine that PMQs would just be like two guys going, whoa, 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 <laughs> 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 like Quite a jangly, nervy experience. They also
5: both have supply teacher voice. You know, yeah, a that voice that's sort of—it's—it's it, it's slightly pleading for authority yeah. as opposed to having yeah. authority. Come on, yeah, come on, guys, come on. We've got a lot to get through today.
1: Yeah, no, funny. I, I enjoy a laugh too, but got a lot of policies to get through.
2: There's there's a chance that someone like Penny Mordons could could fulfil that function. I mean, and also of course the Tories are very keen on women leaders. They appeal to a certain part of the Tory psyche that I don't fully pretend to understand. um, Or want to. Or or want to, but you know, that's why they went for Theresa May as well. Mm. It's it's an instinct to go for the woman to sort things out when things are bad uh, that, that is quite deep rooted, I think, in the party. But the problem it will be is that this country is in such a load of trouble that any Tory leader is going to struggle in the next, in the next yeah. six months, in the next year, in the next 18 months. We are in deep, deep trouble. And I'd, I'd be amazed if any leader, and certainly not anybody anywhere near the current government could turn that around.
4: I mean, I think the okay. only maneuver that could work is someone that comes in with just enough time to instill some party discipline but not enough time to actually do anything so they can make the argument, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, just give mm-hmm. me a bit more time. That would be quite dangerous and I think Penny Mordant is actually. I think after this period of chaos, I think anyone that's a bit of an army brat mm-hmm. actually has a decent chance, Mordent, Tugendhat, Wallace, um, because they can authentically say that I'm gonna run a tighter ship. And I think that's going to be very attractive. A country is always in a good state when you want to (laughs) bring in someone from the army, the (laughs) generals. (laughs) Right,
1: else all things out. (laughs) Uh, Before the break, we're going to do a quick quiz, um, (laughs) and making our way through the the greatest hits of the Johnson years. Astonishingly, we found some. Uh, So, uh, everybody, anybody can kind of uh, can venture an answer here. At the Tory party conference in 2019, Johnson waved a fish at the audience to criticise
4: EU fishing regulations. But well, what was special about, about the kipper? It wasn't at the Tory conference. It was at the debate, the final debate with Hunt. To be oh,
1: fair,
2: I think he did it at both. Maybe. I think he went down so well yeah, at Tory conference.
1: he does the conference. same stick. He oh, well. Maybe, he did maybe. It again. Are you I think challenging around with the No, 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 no I sorry. I'm around sorry. with a fish I'm in so his, so his sorry,
4: pocket. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Um, Ross, you're the... F- you're, Fishing is your... Yes, yes. ...specialism. <laughs> You've got to remember.
2: What was special about the about the kipper? Oh. I don't know. I mean, apart from being a kipper and then it has kind of subliminal undertones with, you know, I'm appealing to you, kip, because um, <laughs> it's a kipper, like, like Nigel Farage. Um, no, I, I can't remember, uh, because it was... Was it frozen? Was that it? No. Was it because it was frozen no. and now kippers need no longer be frozen?
4: No. It, it was... It was, he claimed that the EU had made a law that meant every kipper had to travel with a little ice pack. But was actually, well, I knew it was but actually, that. A, that was UK legislation. The EU has yeah. no such rule for smoked fish. And secondly, which I think is even funnier, The kipper was from the Isle of Man. It was handed to him by an Isle of Man producer who are not in the EU. So so their status when they want to sell into the EU hasn't changed one bit. Very good. Um, You
1: get bonus points. Uh, (laughs) Boris and Carrie Johnson's Downing Street flat refurbishment included handcrafted gold leaf wallpaper. How much did it cost per roll? Oh,
2: shit. £850.
5: I want the answer in guineas now. Actually, <laughs> <laughs>
2: not sovereigns. Surely sovereigns
5: <laughs> are the currency of a yard. That, that's actually <laughs> six hundred and fifty stobs. It's eight hundred and forty. That is an amazing, oh amazing <laughs> memory. But now it's eight hundred and fifty. It was eight hundred and forty then. <laughs> got, got an eye on it for my own. That's true. Movie, it's you
1: probably
5: know. Yeah, it's up. Um, That's what? ridiculous.
1: I know. Do you remember the whole thing about the expensive wallpaper? No,
4: I, yeah, but there I didn't remember thing. it was
3: that expensive. Yeah.
5: Well,
3: it's gold? is <laughs> expensive. Alex, you're like, I used to think he was all right, but I've <laughs> gone off him now. <laughs> <well." laughs> gold
4: wallpaper taxpayers It's about 840 quid.
3: <laughs>
4: My first flat didn't cost that. <laughs>
1: Finally, Boris Johnson promised that a post-Brexit trade deal with Australia would bring the wonder of Tim Tams to our shores. But what is a Tim Tam?
3: Oh, is is it like a Wagon
1: Wheel?
5: No. Uh, it's like a Wagon Wheel but crossed with malt loaf.
1: No, it's not a Wagon Wheel. It's kind a of, penguin not, it's like a but weird, a bit softer. Oh, yeah,
5: yeah. It's got marshmallows.
1: No, it's marshmallow like a penguin, isn't it? It is. I'm told It consists of two malted biscuits separated by a light, hard chocolate cream filling and coated in a thin layer of textured chocolate. The creators went to Britain, found the Penguin Bar, and said, with what I repined repellent Aussie arrogance, they wanted to make a better one.
4: It is better, to be fair. Oh, fair (laughs) do's then, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Because the middle is kind of less dense, and so what they do is they bite like a corner off the top and off the bottom, and you use it as a straw to suck (laughs) milky tea through. And then if you do it for just the right amount of time, you shove it in your mouth and it kind of falls apart. That's it, I'm
5: voting leave, I've changed my mind. I want one of those.
4: (laughs) It's so good. It sounds amazing. It is an amazing experience. But if you get it wrong, it literally just goes into poop
3: in your hand. Like Brexit.
4: (laughs) Like Brexit.
3: (laughs) Um, if After this, we don't have a fucking advertising contract with those bastards with you reading this shit out halfway It's not through the show, it's
4: genuinely not that was like you have to get it from a Well-known online retailer and it's like it's like a tenner a packet oh my It's God. ridiculously expensive. Well, I don't know why well
1: worth every penny
4: big penguin. I think is keeping it out <laughs>
1: <laughs> So that's Alex two, Ros one Ian and Raph, it's a hero. But I mean, that to... was fair on the basis yeah. that we didn't actually
3: answer any questions. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I mean,
1: I... There's everything
5: to play for in part two. <laughs>
3: yeah. uh, in so... just a
5: minute, you'd give us bonus points for, like, having a, having, for getting a laugh out of the audience. Oh,
1: but it's not. <laughs> no. <laughs> and that's the first half. Uh, have a drink. We'll see you soon.
2: Hello, it's Andrew, the producer here. That was part one of Oh God, What Now? live in Brighton. We'll be releasing part two over the weekend so you can find out who won the Boris Johnson quiz and also if Britain needs a vibe shift for its political future. But if you want to hear the whole thing right now and you just can't wait, you can hear it without adverts, unedited via Patreon. Just sign up to support us on Patreon for as little as £2 a month and you'll get that plus all of our podcasts without adverts and loads of nice stuff too. Hope you enjoyed this one. Hold tight for the next bit.